You know, I've always liked John chapter 1 in the first few verses here. It's, it's actually one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Many theologians say that it is one of the most theological, in-depth Scriptures in the Bible because there's so much in there for us to understand. We really don't have time to go through all of it today, but the one thing that I want you to receive today is the fact that he came to us, he is here, and he is actively engaged in our lives. Now, I like this passage of scripture in John chapter 1. It's very intriguing to me because it's a little bit different than the other gospels and the way that they uh, tell the Christmas story. I like it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I like it because it is different while the others mark the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem as the beginning of Jesus. John journeys all the way back to creation for us to understand that he didn't just come in Bethlehem, but that he has always been, he currently is, and he always will be. So he takes us all the way back to the beginning and says that Jesus was. In fact, scripture confirms it by saying that he was the lamb that was chosen before the foundation of the world for our salvation. So Jesus has always existed among us and John points that out. But it's also interesting to me that, that John uses this concept of language to describe how God is interfacing with humanity. God didn't just come and hang out, but he, he is interfacing with us. He is interacting with us. And the way that he does that is through language. If you go all the way back to the beginning, it was language that started creation. When Jesus came, according to John, he was using language to interact and interface with mankind. It says he was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. So he is speaking and he is using language to interact and interface with mankind. Now, many times, Christmas and the holidays is very frustrating for many people. It's difficult for people because you have to communicate and interact with people uh, where difficulties exist. Uh, for instance, many of you uh, no doubt will be hanging out with people that you don't necessarily like during the holidays. They may be family members, they may be friends, but you may not particularly care for them. It may be because of dysfunctional situations and Sometimes it can be because of jealousy among uh, siblings and sibling rivalry and, uh, you know, who's going to get the first piece of turkey and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and it's, just, it's just frustrating when we realize that we have to interact with other people, uh, you know, through this idea of language. Holidays can become very stressful. You know, will the, will the turkey be moist and, 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 and will all the, 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 the pies be just exactly right and, 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 will it, and we just drive ourselves crazy. We decorate our houses and we decorate our homes and we put up the lights and we put up the trees and I know people who have trees in every room of their house and I think to myself, God bless their hearts. 
that they have to have that kind of stress. It's, we're good to be able to get one. Thank the Lord, last year, my wife bought one of those trees that has lights already in it. And you don't have to string them and you don't have to pull them around. All you got to do is put it together, plug it into the wall, hit the button, and praise God. It's party time. You know what I'm saying? Thank God. But stress can just drive us crazy. And those kinds of things cause our language to be affected. Now, when I say language, I'm not just simply talking about words but I'm talking about our actions as well. I can read people just by looking at their body language, and you can too. Uh, you can just look at them and, and tell by the way that they're carrying themselves whether or not you want to interact with them or not. There's some people, you see them coming, and you want to run the other direction. And then there are other people that their body language and, and, and the way that they smile and, and the wonderful expressions on their face make you want to be wherever they are because they're fun to be around. You like to interact with them. So as we move into these holidays, we have to consider this idea of language and how it's going to impact our lives. Thankfully, the Lord has already spoken to this issue because he came as language. He came as the Word. He, the Word was with God, and the Word is God. Amen. And so we have everything that we have need of. So today, I want to make three observations to you as it pertains to the Word coming among us and this idea of language. First is that our words are creative. Our words are creative. What we say has a huge impact on our environment. Now, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and you begin reading in the creation event, you'll, you'll see this process where Scripture says, God said... And just a few verses down the line, it will say, and God saw that it was good. And so all through the creation process, we see that it says, God says, and God saw that it was good. God said, and saw that it was good. God said, and saw that it was good. God said and saw that it was good. And you can go all the way through there. And until you get to the place where he made man and man was alone, he said, I, God saw that it was not good that man should be alone. And so women came into the world. Thank God for women. Amen. Praise the Lord, I'm thankful for every one of you women out there. Because what it is, is, is that you bring things to our lives as men that can only come through you. So I'm thankful for women, amen. So uh, this, this idea that words are creative is not just something that Scripture teaches. But it is something that the secular world sees as a benefit as well. In 1994, and I, I shared a little bit with you last week about this, but in 1994, a man by the name of Stephen DeShazer, who was a, was a family therapist, came up with this idea. It's called Solution-Focused Family Therapy. 
And the whole idea behind this is that at some point, if you're going to get over your circumstances, you have to stop talking about the problems and you have to start talking about the solutions. If all you ever do is talk about the problem, you will never find yourself with the solution. In fact, he said it like this. He said, language creates reality. Language creates reality. Now, what he's saying is, is that our language creates the reality that we live in. It, it, it creates the atmosphere where we find ourselves. I, the way that we speak has a tremendous effect upon our lives. For instance, he said that those who are depressed, if all they ever do is talk about depression, it simply deepens the emotion of depression in their life. At some point, you have to stop saying, I'm depressed, and you have to start saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, He is my joy, and I have the joy of the Lord in me, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. So we have to stop giving place in our mouth to this thing called depression. He says that if you all you ever do is talk about anger, then you're going to become a bitter person because it, it creates that reality of anger. It creates that atmosphere everywhere you go. You're angry not only at your spouse and angry not only at, your, at, at work and with your boss and you're angry about your circumstances... But you're angry about everything because all you ever do is talk about the anger that started in you at some point in your life. And what DeShazer would say is that if, as long as you just talk about your anger, you're always going to be angry and it's going to deepen in you until it produces a spirit of bitterness. He goes on and he said, do you ever know anybody who talks about being tired all the time? He said exhaustion, when you just talk about being exhausted, it creates weariness in your mind and in your body. It, I'm, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm exhausted. A couple of nights ago I sat down, I'd had a long day. And I'd been busy all day long and I came in and I sat down and apparently when I did, I kind of sighed and groaned a little bit. My wife accuses me of sitting in the evenings and just groaning all the time anyway. She said, you know, you always fuss about me snoring. She said, you groan all the time. She said, I can't even watch a television show without hearing you go, "Mm, uh, mm, mm, mm." So apparently I was groaning and she looked over at me and she said, are you tired? Are you exhausted? And I thought about it and I said, no, I'm not tired. I've got plenty of energy. I can do whatever I need to do. I am not exhausted, but my left toe hurts just a little bit. No, I didn't say that. But DeShazer would say, if all you ever do is focus on the fact that you're tired, you will die tired. And you will just get more and more weary. He said for people who all they ever do is talk about money problems, they'll have money problems all their lives. 
Oh, if I was just broke, oh, if, I, if I wasn't broke, if I, if I just had a better job, all of us are broke, right? I, that, that's what some of you are saying. If I just wasn't broke, if I, if I just had a better job, if, if I could just get that promotion, if I could, if, 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 and all we ever do is talk about how much money we don't have. He says, if you'll stop talking about your problem and start talking about ways to make the necessary money or even still hear a secular therapist says, if you will become a generous giver, then you will no longer be focused upon the money problem, but you will look for opportunities to express generosity to other people. So what he's saying here is that just like with Jesus, who was the Word, who was involved in the creative process, he's saying if you will change the way that you speak and stop speaking about your problems and start looking for the solutions, then you will find the solution that God has for you. Isn't that good news? Words are creative. So what I'm saying to you is you can create the reality of God's will in your life. You can do it. So how do you do that? Well, here's my second observation. For those of you who are keeping track, I've been preaching now for about eight minutes. (laughs) Words bring clarity. Not only are words creative, but words clarify our situation. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did you catch that? So your words are clarifying where you are in your maturing process with Christ. Your words tell the story. Your language tells the story. I mean, really, if all that you ever do is bellyache and complain, you know what? It's not too hard for people to to mark you as a negative Nelly or a Danny Downer because the evidence is there. And then we say things like this. Well, I didn't mean to say that. Sure you did. Because it's in your heart. It's in your spirit. It is clarifying who you are and what you're dealing with in your life. Because it has become the priority. It is what you talk about all the time. It is what defines you rather than allowing the presence of the Holy Spirit in in you to define who you are. You know, we're told that we should never talk about the negative. But I want to say that we should talk about the negative one time. And then we need to move on. And here's the reason we need to talk about it one time. We need to talk about it one time so we can identify what the problem is. But that's where we stop. That's where so many defeated people stop. The problem, the problem, the problem is... And the problem is, and the problem is, and the problem is. Can I confess to you today? I'm the biggest problem that you have at this church. 
Because I have problems with problems. My mind wraps around problems. People say to me all the time, what about growth? What about this? What about that? And my response is, how are we going to grow when we're in a sanctuary that won't seat more than 250 people? How are we going to? So my focus then gets on that, on that problem rather than saying, oh, that's the problem, but the problem will not hold us back. Because right here in my mind's eye, I already see what can be if it, if it is God's will for our lives. I see a piece of property back there that could be ours. I, I, I see a building over here that we can take a backhoe and just knock that crazy thing down and build a bigger sanctuary and move daycares around here and there and whatever. If we just get stuck in the problems, we will never leave room for the possibilities to materialize in our minds. Stop fussing about your spouse. Stop bringing up all their bad points. Start bragging about them every now and then. Start saying, you know, there was a day I loved you, but I didn't really like you too much. But the more that I live with you, the more I like you. I'm telling you, you've been a blessing in my life. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what God is doing through you and the way it is affecting my life in a positive way. Start talking about the solutions rather than the problems. Language reveals cognition. Now, what's cognition? Cognition is simply what we know. It is knowledge. So our words, our language reveals what we know or think to be true. For instance, if I were walking like this this morning, how many of you would assume that I hurt my left leg? How many of you would assume that? If I was walking around like this all day, my language, my body language would say there's something wrong. That boy needs to go to the doctor. That boy needs to have that checked out. Just a few weeks ago, I walked around like that all day. I was just going like this all day. My foot hurt so bad. And I was just going like this. And all day until that afternoon, I finally decided, I wonder what in the world is hurting my foot. And I kicked my shoe off and looked down in my shoe and discovered that there was a sock balled up in the bottom of my shoe and I'd been walking around all day in pain because of that sock. And I cast that devil out in the name of Jesus and healing immediately manifested in my leg. Language reveals... So here's how that works spiritually. Three steps. Number one, revelation uncovers truth. Revelation uncovers the truth of God. God brings revelation. The word Jesus came and began revealing the things of the Father to us and in this earth. He said, the words that you hear me speak, I'm speaking because I'm hearing them from the Father. So he brings revelation which uncovers truth. 
Once truth is revealed, truth produces direction. So once you know what the truth is, you can put a plan together. You can know how to deal with your circumstance. You can know how to access certain things in the spirit realm because you know the truth of the problem. Now the scripture says the truth will set you free. Is that true? It's not true. He said, but the Bible says it's true. I don't care. Just simply having truth will do you no good unless you decide to apply the truth to your life. So the truth is, once you know the truth and apply the principles of God's word to the truth, that will set you free. There are a lot of people in this building right now, you know what the truth is. You know what God's word says about your circumstance. But you're not man enough or woman enough to do what the Bible says for you to do to alleviate that situation in your life. Say amen or oh me, one or the other. I love you. I'm trying to get all the hard stuff in two weeks prior to Christmas so that I don't ruin your holidays. Because there is, after all, hope for the holidays. But the hope will only manifest when you find out what the truth is and then apply, which is the third step. Wisdom then activates the activity and the enablement to do what you need to do. Wisdom says, not only do I know this is true, I know that I have the anointing of God in me and he will give me the power and the authority to be able to activate this and enable it in my life. So words are creative and words bring clarity, which brings me to my final point. Somebody say amen. Don't mean a thing. Words then produce conquest. Words produce conquest. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of Good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. See, what I want you to see is that language then increases faith. As you start speaking and reading the Word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. Now, we, we don't have a correct application of that. We just think, if all I do is just read the Word, then I have all the faith that I need. Now, that's a starting point. But I know a lot of people who know the Word of God, but they don't do anything that the Word says for them to do. So as we begin to manifest it in our lives, then it increases faith in us. As we see it happening, then it increases faith in our lives. So if I've been angry with someone 
And the Holy Spirit says to me, don't be angry anymore. Don't sin that way. Instead, forgive them, even if you have to forgive them 490 times a day, forgive them. That's hard to do, isn't it? I don't like to do it. Some of you are going to have to do it this Christmas. 490 times. I can see, I want you to send me an email when you get to 491. Because you know what I'm going to tell you after 491? Start over and do it again. Because forgiveness is a principle of the word of God. So as I choose to forgive someone who has angered me and hurt me, and I see the effect that God works out in that situation, it builds my faith. So as I begin to do the word of God, then faith activates in me. As I become a generous giver and I see how God blesses me and blesses me in ways that I didn't even know that he was going to bless me, Sometimes blessings come in non-monetary ways, but because I am a generous giver, then God blesses me. We were sitting in a restaurant just the other day, and we were, we, 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 we were, we're getting, we're not old, but we're getting older. I think our bellies are shrinking because we like, we like to share meals now. And so we'll go and we'll look at, we'll look at the menu and we'll say, oh, let's get this. You eat half of it. I'll eat half of it. And that'll be good. So we did that. And we're sitting there and we're eating. And it was good. And, and you know, we both got full. And it was like, oh, okay. I think you go home and take a nap now and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I reached for my debit card so I can pay the bill. And the lady, she said, you won't need to pay tonight because someone has already picked up your check. I said, man, I wish I'd have known that at the beginning. I'd have had a steak, amen, hallelujah. I wouldn't have had that bowl of soup. I had that big old T-bone, praise God. God brings blessings into our lives in ways that are unexpected when we're faithful to the word of God. So he blesses us. Language increases our faith. So come help me quit if you will. So I'm going to ask you this. Since one of our greatest gifts is choice, let me ask you, who is going to get the last word in your life? Who will it be? You're going to let the devil have the last word? You're going to let that numb skull at Christmas get the last word on you you gonna let that is it okay to say idiot you gonna let that idiot get the best of you I loved the video this week of the L basketball coach for the women's team how many of you saw that he was a little bit ticked off because they lost. And he said, it's because we have taught our kids that it's okay to lose. He said, you can come in dead last and they still give you a trophy and send you home and say, good job, boy. He said, when I was a kid, he said, if you lost, you went home. He said, there was no such thing as a friendship bracket. We lost, but let's go over here and play with our friends. 
so our mommy and daddy can be proud of us when we get home. We can show them our loser trophy. Now, he didn't say all that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That's what he meant, though. He said, we're raising a generation of people that don't even want to win anymore because they've become so accustomed to being rewarded when they lose that winning, winning doesn't mean anything to them. Can you imagine if Jesus had come to this earth just to get a participation trophy? Can you imagine if he'd have come into this earth and said, I don't really care if I win or not. I'll just kind of share things with the devil. I'll just kind of share things with this world system. I just... You know, I'll help a few people to get out of their sin. And I tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll strike a deal with you. I won't, even, I won't even remove your sin. I'll just help you manage your sin. Can you imagine the kind of world that we would live in today? As bad as it is today, can you imagine how bad it would be if Jesus had just come just to participate, not caring whether he would win or not? Let me tell you, Jesus did not come with that mentality when Jesus came he came to take this place over he came to destroy the works of sin he came to remove it from your life not enable you to manage it I'm sorry if I'm busting some of your bubbles today but God did not raise you up to manage your sin and let you keep a little bit that still makes you feel good. He came to drive it out of you so that the Spirit of the living God could take authority over you. And you can do that because the Spirit of the living God lives in you. Let me give you one more scripture and I'll quit. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, speaking language, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He spoke. He identified the problem, but he did not remain at the problem. Verse 6, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. And then he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
And who shall go for us? And he said, Here am I. Send me. End of story? Not yet. Because God speaks to him in verse 9 and he says, Go and say to these people. Isn't that amazing? Isaiah has this revelation of God in his holiness. And he immediately speaks and identifies the problem of his personal unholiness. But then he hears the angelic beings declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And when he had been embraced by that speech of faith, he didn't revisit the unholiness. He didn't revisit the problem. But instead, he heard the voice of the Lord say, Who shall I send? And the very next words out of his mouth were, Lord, here am I. Send me. He didn't say, oh, I don't know if I can do that or not. You know, I'm just no country boy. I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. He didn't allow that kind of nonsensical language to remain with him any longer. But instead, he seized the opportunity to change his language to reflect the promises of God. And the good news is that when Jesus came as the Word and He was the Word and He still is the Word and when He sent His Spirit to dwell in you, it gave you the same opportunity to walk in the same anointing declaring the Word of God over your life. Will you stand with me this morning? Amen.